Ladies and gents, welcome to episode 14 of Shane Sports New York Plus, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SonyPlus.com, among many other media platforms. I am your host, Shane Palmer, and today I am not joined by anyone. I am by myself. This is my first ever podcast done by myself. Usually you would hear radio broadcasters have callers uh, in to ask questions, but I don't have that kind of technology available. So we're just going to break down a few fantasy points that I've jotted down that I think could help you in the upcoming weeks. Obviously, we have week three coming up, weeks one and two in the books. So let's start it off and talk some fantasy football. I know this is Shane Sports New York Plus and the sports in there. I might as well change it to fantasy because the way things have gone, this I've had maybe four or five fantasy shows in a row. All my articles recently have been fantasy football related, and I know a lot of you like that content, so I will keep that going. I will keep that strong. Uh, obviously, Robert uh, Stewart, one of my good friends, he writes for SonyPlus.com. He also does MLB Weekly Matchups, which are great reads. Uh, only two weeks of those left until we get to the playoffs, and I'm sure he'll be doing some cool MLB playoff breakdowns, so be sure to check that out. Uh, but let's get started right away with the Cincinnati Bengals, and I think this is an interesting place to start when it comes to fantasy football because there's a lot of names here that people are really high on or people are really low on, and that's either because of a crazy hot start or a really cold start. So let's start with John Ross. John Ross and I, if you've read my article posted on theshield.com, have not had our fair share of quality moments, if you can say, in the past. Uh, after we got into a little bit of a, a skirmish on Instagram, I don't even know if you want to call it that, but he, if you haven't read the article, I, I highly recommend it. It's called I Don't Mix Well with Social Media and Athletes. Um, just basically saying that John Ross is injury prone and he commented back, uh, take it easy with like a laughing face emoji. So I thought that was definitely a little bit of funny banter that we had. Um, but it is true. John Ross over his first two NFL seasons has had a lot of injury problems and it doesn't help that he's on a team like the Cincinnati Bengals with Andy Dalton at quarterback. He hasn't had the best, um, person there throwing him the ball. Uh, to, to make him valuable enough where it would be like, okay, he, he gets injured, but he produces, but he hasn't. He hasn't done either until now. John Ross leads the NFL in receiving yards at 270, and he has three receiving touchdowns, which is up there in the NFL as well. So a very strong start to the season for John Ross. The question is, do we trust him to stay healthy? Now, again, you look at his injury history, uh, he ran – the combine, the 40-yard the dash to the combine hurt. He got hurt during that and still finished it out and still had a 4-2-2 um, or 4-2. I forget which one. I know he broke CJ2K's record uh, for fastest combine 40-yard dash time. But he was hurt then, and he's been hurt since then. He's had hamstring issues and foot issues, and especially for a runner like he is. And, I mean, foot injuries are, are detrimental to any football player's career, any athlete's career. Obviously, you need to run. You need to, you need to be able to move quickly. 
Um, so a foot injury is never good. A hamstring injury is even worse. And John Ross has dealt with both of those over his, over his career. But he looks fine. And the Bengals aren't a bad offense. Now, I spoke to people with this before. Their offensive line is atrocious. They've had also their fair share of, of hits uh, with injuries. Uh, notably, their draft pick this year, Jonah Williams uh, out of Alabama, he is out for the season. Um, other players on their line, Billy Price is out. So they they have a lot of holes that they've been just trying to plug and fill, and we'll get to who that affects in a minute. But um, just overall, the offense, especially the wide receiving core, Andy Dalton, looking at the stats right here, he is second in the NFL in passing yards at 729. Now, the Bengals are 0-2, but they're playing catch-up in enough games where these receivers matter more, and garbage time is a great time in fantasy terms, uh, unless you're playing these people. But John Ross, I definitely think, has the potential to finish the season as a wide receiver 2-3. And I say 2-3 instead of just a 2 only because A.J. Green is not back yet. A.J. Green is a focal point of this offense when healthy and probably Andy Dalton's favorite target. Um, it just it doesn't – I don't see John Ross sustaining these numbers when Green gets back, and that could be in the next three weeks. So I definitely think um, once uh, A.J. Green is fully healthy on the field, John Ross, maybe he'll move into the slot maybe Tyler Boyd will move into the slot. And both of them are having a great year so far. So I wouldn't discount either of them. But definitely tamper your expectations with John Ross. And if you see someone in your league that is trying to buy him, sell high, as if you read the newest article that I posted uh, just yesterday on SonyPlus.com, it was all about trading and fact or fiction of what we can believe and what we can't believe. And I didn't include John Ross in the article just so I could talk about him now. But I really, truly believe that John Ross will stay healthy this year and finish the season as a top 30 wide receiver. Just don't have that high of hopes for him to break out and be, you know, the next you know, Michael Thomas or, or Hopkins, obviously, because he doesn't have enough around him to make him that superstar yet. Unless, you know, you never know with the Bengals. If they tank enough and they get Tua somehow, then I think John Ross next year could be a, a wide receiver too easily. Um, and if A.J. Green is still on this team, a wide receiver one. So don't don't write off John Ross yet. Don't think this is a fluke because it's definitely not. He was drafted in the first round in the top 10 picks for a reason. Um, he has potential, so I wouldn't give up on him. And another player I wouldn't give up on is someone who a lot of fantasy owners are ready to, and I already see he's being dropped in Yahoo Leagues. He's a can't-cut player in Yahoo Leagues, and he's already minus 1%, and that's Joe Mixon. Now, Joe Mixon um, has had a horrible start to this season. I mean, in PPR formats, I don't even know if he's had a catch this year, but he has under six points, I think, in both weeks. And he is just running behind just that offensive line again. There's there's nothing there to help him uh, succeed. Even when the Bengals are down in games, they're not going to use him. 
and he has no competition there. Giovanni Bernard is not any competition to him. And looking at the stats right now, 2019, he's played the two games. He's had 17 rushing attempts for 27 yards. That is atrocious. 1.6 yards per carry. Now, last year, he was fourth in the NFL with 1,168 rushing yards on 237 attempts. So I, I, it's, it's a hard situation to make out right now what's wrong with Joe Mixon. I really, again, I don't think it's him. I think it's more of how the Cincinnati Bengals offense is being run right now. Obviously, new head coach Zach Taylor is in, and many thought that he would get Joe Mixon even more involved, not only in the in the red zone, but in the, in the passing game and, and getting the ball more through the air from Andy Dalton. But we just, we haven't seen that yet. So it's difficult to, uh, what, what the main point here. And, and again, I said in the article, the question was, will Joe Mixon finish the season as a top 25 running back? Yes. I think that's almost a guarantee that Joe Mixon is not as bad as he's playing right now. But uh, I will say that I don't think it gets back on track this week, and I'm not sure it gets back on track in week four. But don't lose hope. Again, this is week two. We are two weeks through the NFL season, and people are already panicking, and there's no need to panic. You know, if you're sitting at 0-2 and you have Joe Mixon, don't sell him for nothing because he's not. you want to buy low. You don't want to sell low. Selling low is one of the worst things to do in fantasy sports in general. And... Ultimately, we'll lose your, your league if you're trying to win it because what are you going to trade Joe Mixon for right now? Honestly, there's there's no trade that I would make unless I was getting equal value, like maybe Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb straight up for Joe Mixon, maybe I would do that. Well, almost definitely I would, actually. It's just a matter of how people perceive Kareem Hunt when he comes back from his suspension and his, his sports hernia. But... I, I view them on almost the same exact level. Another one you could say, Todd Gurley for Joe Mixon. Um, it's, again, a toss-up. Malcolm Brown has been used a little bit more. Daryl Henderson for the Rams has not been used at all. He has one rushing attempt this year and no yards on it. So Daryl Henderson's not an issue unless Gurley gets hurt. Gurley's looked fine the first two weeks. If you want to trade Joe Mixon for Todd Gurley, I say do it, but that's that's really it. I, I don't. There's not another trade that I would make for Joe Mixon to get rid of Joe Mixon. If you're trying to buy low on Joe Mixon, um, you could try to package a wide receiver and a running back to get him. I would have used an example of Michael Gallup and someone else to get him, but Gallup just got hurt. He's out two to four weeks, most likely a month, uh, with an injury for the Dallas Cowboys. So he would have been a name I would have said to package to get Joe Mixon. Um, but at this point, don't, don't get rid of Joe Mixon. Don't give up on him yet. There's no need to panic. Uh, once AJ Green comes back, especially the box will be less stacked against him against this atrocious offensive line. So Joe Mixon will have a little bit more room to breathe and he'll be able to get in the end zone. If I had to project a final stat line for him on the season, I would say, uh, close to what he had yards wise last year. So definitely over a thousand yards rushing. We'll put him at 1100. Um, and I'll say seven touchdowns. He had eight last year. We'll say seven touchdowns this year. And that's not what you want from a second round running back, but that's the price that you pay when you take a player on such a bad team like the Cincinnati Bengals. And it's not anyone's fault because of how, Joe, of how good Mixon was last year. 
It's just a matter of how inept the Bengals are as a overall team, especially their defense, which couldn't stop Jimmy Garoppolo last week. So I don't know who they're going to stop in the future. Moving on now from the Bengals, because I don't know if there's much more to say about Cincinnati. Let's talk about Antonio Brown. And I talked about Antonio Brown on a podcast that I did last time with Chris Ventura, uh, one of my buddies at FNTSY Network. Uh, We talked about how, where you, again, this was when drafting was going on. So it was where, where would you draft him and how do you value him? I said he was a wide receiver too. Uh, Ventura liked him as well. I think we were both in that wide receiver two range. Maybe we'd take a shot at him in the third, early, early third round if he was there. Uh, in my draft, when we broke it down, he went uh, a few picks after me in the second round, late second round. But he is now on the New England Patriots, no longer on the Oakland Raiders. Uh, the Raiders were obviously not a desired destination for a wide receiver with Derek Carr quarterback and a defense that you know, would let up enough points a game to make Antonio Brown not even want to get in for garbage time because he's trying to protect himself. But the New England Patriots, obviously we know Tom Brady, one of the best of all time, and it hurts me to say, but it's it's an obvious basically fact. Um, so it's, it's out there. But in terms of players that he's throwing to, um, Antonio Brown against the Dolphins, and this could have just been this one game because – He's new to the offense, trying to get him acclimated to everything. He led the team with eight targets, and eight targets isn't a ton for a wide receiver one, but he finished with, I think, around – I know he, he had a touchdown. I don't have the yardage numbers up with me right now, but it was in the range of, of 70 to 90, I want to say. It was between there. So it wasn't like a, a an outrageous game. Um, Oh no, maybe it was fifty. He might have had five for fifty-six. I forget, but he definitely had. He definitely led the team with eight targets, and Edelman had five targets. Josh Gordon ended up with five targets, uh, and James White had either two or three targets. We're gonna take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. Welcome back into episode fourteen of Shane Sports in New York Plus. I am finally joined by the closer, Chris Venture, after a little bit of miscommunication, but it's all good. What's up, Chris? <laughs> What's up, Shane? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm so. There's a little miscommunication, and uh, I'm glad at least I made it. Yes, definitely. Listen, <laughs> well, I wanted to bring this up to you when you were on here, and I'm glad you're on here now. What happened with your fantasy baseball teams? Because I know you were in some and you were out of some. Yeah, so um, I was in like I was in, I think six, like manageable leagues, not including best ball, mm-hmm. and. Um, a couple of them, I, I just missed the playoffs. One, I was playing for third place this past week. I was winning the whole matchup, two-week matchup, and I ended up losing by, by 10 points. Ah. Uh, so I got fourth, which sucks because that's no money. Um, I am in second in a Roto League with Lance Davis. Shout out to Lance Davis, who is a big fan of Fantasy Football Frenzy. He, like, you know, runs the goon squad. Yeah. And um, – I'm all, I'm all, I'm in the championship in my my home league, which is the biggest one because it's yeah. the most money. Uh, and as of right now, this the kid I'm playing is up four four thirty five to three sixty nine. So I'm Ooh. down, yeah, a good, you know, sixty five points right now. But we still got the whole week to go. Uh, I got I got a pretty good team. Like my hitting's better than his, but his pitching is better. So should be interesting. See, we'll see how that finishes out for me. You know, it's not my typical season 
you know, I play in the Roto Leagues and then I have the home league that you were in this year that you just missed the playoffs in. And that's usually the big one that I focus on just because this year I'd be going for five in a row. And I finished the season as a, as a, either the fifth or the sixth seed, which I'm not used to at all. Usually the one seed and I get to buy the first week. But I don't know how, but the pitcher streams that I've done the past two weeks have worked out in my favor. And I'm sitting up right now, I think 40 points and you know, in the semifinals and the next week is the final. So if I win this one, that's five in a row and I'll take that. So oh, the whole be, hand I up. mean, I, I never heard of five in a row. That's incredible, <laughs> actually. All right, Venture. So before you rudely interrupted me as I was peacefully talking about myself <laughs> and the Patriots, I guess I'll introduce you into the conversation. I was talking with my fellow Sony Plus listeners about the whole Antonio Brown drama and reliving everything that's gone down over the past few weeks but now he's on the Patriots, and he's looking again like a wide receiver one. And I wrote this in my article that I did yesterday that you can find on SonyPlus.com, that Josh Gordon is no longer a wide receiver two or really a wide receiver three based on his target share and what he did against Miami this past week. He had five <laughs> targets from Tom Brady, but only two catches for 19 yards. Now, Edelman obviously still got his share. He had around five targets for and four catches for a little bit over 60 yards. And James White found the end zone, albeit it was the fourth quarter, a little bit of garbage time that just got him the ball. But it seems like Josh Gordon was the one that suffered the most. Venture, what are your thoughts on everything going on with Patriot wide receivers and kind of like what their shares will be with Antonio Brown now in the mix? So... I think obviously Josh Gordon takes a hit. Now, for me, Josh Gordon wasn't even a wide receiver two heading into the year. He was more of a wide receiver three flex for me just because of all the off-field issues. And, you know, at any moment, this guy could just say, I quit because he's done that before. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, like, I just – he was a risky option already for me. But I I do have him in, I think, one, one league out of the seven I'm in. And I'm benching him this week. So we started him last week. It was probably the wrong decision. We also had Terry McLaurin. So I'm co-managing a team with a guy at work. Uh, it's, a, it's a big league, $2,000 to first place. Ooh. And we have a pretty good team. But um, we started Gordon. We still won, luckily. But he only got us, what, 2.5 points or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, he had 3.9 if in a full PPR. So he had two catches for 19 yards on five targets. He only had four targets in the first week, too. Uh, but he just so happened to have a ton of yardage and a touchdown. He had three for 73 and a touchdown. So he's going to be a boomer bust play the rest of the way for me. Uh, I think he's more of a fill-in guy or a matchup-based guy, right? So, like, if they're playing the Chiefs, let's say, I'll start him. Yeah. But if they're playing, like, this week, they're playing the Jets. I'm sorry about your Jets. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I don't even want to talk about it. Bit of a disaster, <laughs> but but it's all right. I, I mean, listen, they're probably going to run the ball a ton. A lot of Sony Michelle in this game. Absolutely. Uh, I'm sure we'll get. And right as of right now, it just looks like that Antonio Brown is the number one wide receiver on this team. He's the number one target on this team. He's going to get the red zone looks for the most part through the air. So I'm on Antonio Brown. Now, here's the thing with Antonio Brown, though. I have him in two out of my seven leagues. I'm looking to trade him in one. I want to sell now. While there's some pretty good value here, it could be a mistake. That's why I want to do it in one and keep him in one. But he's still a risky 
player to have. He just I don't think it's a that, mistake at all. I think with all these allegations still out there, because now a second woman again, everything's like unconfirmed right now, but just just all the drama still surrounding him and the uncertainty about his future. I, I have no problem with trying to sell for whatever high value he has right now and see what you can get. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's the best route to go. I mean, uh, like like I say, it, the whole thing about fantasy in general is diversifying your portfolio. Um, it's really like playing the stock market because there's a lot of luck involved. Let's be honest, especially football. Baseball's more skill. I mean, if you just stay on top of baseball, chances are you're going to do well. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone's on top of football, right? So the thing is, is you want to diversify. So that's why if I had Antonio Brown a lot. I'd be worried. That's why I didn't draft him a lot. I only have him in two leagues because I got him at good value in the drafts. And he kind of paid off so far right now because he's on New England and he's still he's a number one receiver. But I just think that I should sell him in one place. I think it's a good idea to sell because of, of all the risk that's involved with these allegations, right? So, And I would also hold Josh Gordon because, listen, listen, you can't sell Josh Gordon right now. His value kind of dipped pretty heavily here. So you're not going to get much for Josh Gordon. You're going to have to package him with something. Would you try to and buy I think, low? I would I would be interested in buying low more than selling. Yeah. Uh, if I have him, I'm holding. And I'm using him as a bench bi-week filler. And if um, – or a matchup play. And if, if I don't have him and you're looking to get a wide receiver three that has really high upside, you know, Josh Gordon is that type of guy. Uh, so I would buy low. I think you could get him at a decent price right now because of the Antonio Brown thing. And then if Antonio Brown does go away, Josh Gordon's value skyrockets again. Yeah. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of, uh, I guess, different ranges of outcome here for uh, Gordon and Antonio Brown. You know, they each, both of them rely on the other. So Gordon's value rests on Antonio Brown and Antonio's Brown, Antonio Brown's uh value rests on himself like what he's gonna what's gonna happen with him but uh as of right now antonio brown is a, is a solid wide receiver too i think going forward the thing is there's gonna be that i, I don't know if he's gonna play the full 16 games i don't think he's gonna make it to I the end so either that's why yeah if you have him in one league and it's the only league you got or something to people who are listening right now like i would look to possibly sell him especially if you need help elsewhere like at running back, it's just a very risky play to have Antonio right now, right now and the value is pretty hot. So and, I would definitely consider something like that. Yeah, and, you know, looking at the Patriots as a whole, I wouldn't move Julian Edelman. I still think he's fine in the role that he has. Tom Brady still wants to target him. James White, again, I think is fine too. And Sony Michelle had 23 rush attempts last week, so there's nothing wrong with keeping him. Uh, but just in general with Josh Gordon, like, like Venture, you said, and I said in my article – He's really come down to a boomer bust, and I think we can leave it at that because there's really not much else to say unless something happens to Antonio Brown, and if that's the case, then we can always revisit it and say Josh Gordon has wide receiver two potential again. But you yeah. know, moving on from, from the Patriots, I want to talk about a guy that you gushed over in our last podcast, and I had people texting me that listened to the podcast afterwards saying, why did I just listen to 20 minutes of all this love for carry on Johnson? And I responded <laughs> with, he's going to be a superstar. Don't worry about it. We just helped you. And now through the first two weeks, he doesn't look like a superstar and he looks like he has some competition for touches. Now, granted CJ Anderson was released yesterday, but they signed yeah. Paul Perkins. So there's still, oh, yeah. and I know, I know, but there's still another Perkins running back trash. there. Yeah. I know. 
but there's still another running back there. And when you look at the touch breakdown last week, Carrion had, I think it was 12 or 13 carries. C.J. Anderson had five. Ty Johnson had five. And J.D. McKissick had two. So there's no, you know, set role of a workhorse for Carrion. And if he doesn't catch that touchdown that he bobbled like six times, he doesn't even finish in like the top 35, 40 for running backs. So rest of season, is Carrion Johnson a top 15 running back? Top 15. So... I'm going to say he's top 20, okay. not top 15. Now, now, here's the thing, though. I know we talked up on Johnson, but we weren't telling people to draft on Johnson as, an, as a top 15 running back. Well, I we mean, had we, the, we I, had the we whole... were high on him. Or am I high on him? I mean, we were we I, we were both high on him. Like, yeah. I had on Johnson ahead of Leonard Fournette and a lot of other guys, okay? He was the beginning of that right after – where when Joe Mixon, Todd Gurley, those guys went. Now, here's the thing. Those guys aren't even living up to their draft stock either. Todd Gurley, Joe Mixon especially is not living up to his draft stock. Um, So this goes back to the the thing that we always say and that you were right about at the beginning of the season that I also bought into is the fact that – oh, shoot. I just saw news that David Njoku will miss a month, more than a month with, with a broken wrist. By the way, so that's not good news. Why don't we talk about that for a second? How does that affect the the Browns and target share there and and just the tight end landscape as a whole? So the tight end landscape has been real like uh, real up and down this year. I feel like O.J. Howard has been a bust uh, so far. Uh, I think that's going to change, though. Uh, And then you had guys popping up like Hawkinson in week one and then doing nothing in week two. Mark Andrews. Tight ends. Mark Andrews has been on fire the first two weeks with He's Lamar Jackson. He's been the best Jackson. tight end in the league right now. Yeah. Do you and believe I, that? Me and you have said it, right, that we love Mark Andrews. Yeah, and I have him a lot of places. Do you believe this is sustainable, though? Do you think he could finish as a top five tight end? I do. I think he could finish as a top five tight end. I don't. I don't. I doubt that tight end one is sustainable, but uh, I think he could be a top five tight end just because the simple fact that tight end is so inconsistent. And there's really not, you know, besides Kelsey, Ertz, Kittle hasn't been dominant at all. Kittle hasn't done much this year either, even with the 49ers putting up the points that they are. Right. Uh, Kittle hasn't been dominant, but I I expect that to turn around. So I'm sure he'll jump over Andrews at some point. Andrews will cool down and have his down games. But I think that Andrews was a great uh, pick in the draft. I think that he was last year's Kittle. So Kittle was like, you know, tight end 12 and 13 Andrews was like tight end 12 and 13 this year drafted I always like to get the those those back end tight end ones that people are kind of sleeping on uh and that's why I kiddled a lot last year and I have Andrews a lot this year I don't really have kiddled at all this year because look the value is so high and it's not paying off yeah like tight end could be a very fickle position so I rather not pay for the tight end get the cheap one and then maybe it'll hit now then again I did invest into OJ Howard on one team and so, you know, I've made my mistakes, of course. Uh, but, you know, OJ could still turn around, of course. But for the most part, look at this. Hunter Henry goes down. You, people invested a high draft pick mm-hmm. in him. Evan yeah. Ingram had a great first week, an okay second week. Like, it's just the, the nature of the position, I feel like. But Andrews, I think, is going to be very consistent. Now, I don't think he's going to consistently put up 100-yard games with a touchdown. But I think he'll give you consistent targets and volume. So, He'll give in a PPR league. He'll give you a really nice floor at tight end. That's what's going to make him so valuable is that he's going to give you that 
target volume PPR floor. If you're in a standard league, you know, you're going to need the touchdowns and the yardage. Which he's had it, so far. He's, he's had that. He's had that, right? But I'm saying he's not going to sustain this oh, level no, of production. No, no. It's just not going to happen. So, uh, But Najoku's, you know, that's a tough one because that's a guy, you know, he was drafted a little higher than Mark Andrews. So you didn't pay too much for him either. But He was like in that Vance McDonald, Eric Ebron range. Right. Ebron took a real big hit, though, once Luck retired. Yeah, he yeah. took a massive hit. So uh, Ebron's really at the back end right now. But um, for as far as Njoku goes, I had him in one, one league, and it's the GST league, which is like my most important league. That's an expert league, and it's worth $325 buy-in, so it's expensive. Um, co-managing with a kid. So this is a big, big waiver period for us tonight, actually. We have to put in waivers, and now we have to get a tight end because – this guy's out for a month or more. Uh, I think that's a big hit, and I think it's going to hurt a lot of people. So who's some tight ends you could pick up on the waiver wire if you have Njoku and stuff? Will Disley uh, yeah. on the Seattle Seahawks, who had a big week too. Uh, he's not going to be consistent, but you know the tight end landscape, after the guys that are owned and some of the tight end twos, what what's really left out there? I mean, Chris Herndon, if you want to pick him up when he comes back from suspension, he could be a really good play. He could, but, but I still, the jets, I don't know. I don't, you know, they say Sam Darnold could be back by week five, but that's like really optimistic right there. Cause they don't want to jeopardize his health. First of all, besides his playing career, especially with, you know, having mono and the spleen. And if anything happens to that and he goes right. down. So I, especially if the team's, 0-4 yeah. going into week five, right? Well, 0-3 because they have a bye week week four. They have a bye week. Wow, they have a bye that, that early? Yeah. That's annoying. I think Jason Witten could be a decent pickup if he's out there. Dak Prescott loves targeting him recently. He has two touchdowns over the past two weeks. Right. Yeah, I know Witten's been doing good. Right now he's been in PPR format. I think he's like tight end 11, no, 12. Tight end 12. Which is fine. So he's just, just cracking the top. Yeah, the, you know, the tight end one territory. But here's the thing with Jason Witten. He's so old and beat up that if you don't get that touchdown, look at those two games. He had four targets, four targets, three catches, four catches, no yardage, basically. 15-25, yeah. So if if he doesn't get a touchdown in those games, he's doing nothing, you know? That's the problem. You have to, like, bank on the touchdown. And even with the touchdowns in both those games, he only had 10.5 fantasy points and 12.5. So that's, like, is that his, like, ceiling? Is his ceiling, like, 15 fantasy points? I know that's not bad for a tight end, but that's not going to happen very often. I doubt this tight end trend is going to – this touchdown trend is going to continue for Witten because, you know, no nobody's going to sustain a touchdown every game. So I just don't – like, if you want him as a backup, sure, but I don't think I'd go out there and be starting Witten every week. Like, I don't, I would not feel comfortable at all doing that. I'm sure Darren Waller's taking your league, right? He was, he was one of those first probably waiver priorities that went through week one as soon as the Raiders played or right before they played, especially after yeah. Antonio Brown left. Yeah, he, he's owned pretty much in all leagues at this point. Uh, he's tied in eight right now on the year in PPR. He's getting monster targets. He's another one I think that could consistently crack the top 10 and end up as a top 10 tight end at the end of the year because of the targets and the volume. That's the key with tight end, I think. We want to find is tight ends that get a ton of volume. If you're playing in a PPR league, which let's face it, most of us at this point in time are playing in PPR or half PPR leagues. Uh, if you're in those type of leagues, like there's nothing better than a tight end that's going to consistently get 
a lot of targets because that just means a guaranteed high floor and at tight end, that's very hard to find, you know. Mm-hmm. But let's go back to carry on because I feel bad for people who are highly invested in carry on now that you're telling me. Yeah. Well, I know um, some people even drafted him or wanted him over Nick Chubb in some instances. They were that high on him. Well, yeah, I wouldn't have recommended that. <laughs> that's a little extreme. <laughs> that's a little extreme. I liked him right, like I said, right after the Joe Mixon Gurley area. And at the same time, I wasn't drafting any of those running backs in that second round. The only one I was drafting was Dalvin Cook, which so far has paid off. Uh, but I just, like, I, I believe in carry on as a running back. I think it's more of, I think it's less carry on's ability. I think it's more the coaching. Yeah. So Matt Patricia, I think, is just a bad coach. Uh, in general, he's just a bad coach. Uh, and like he he said he wants to dedicate to the run, yet you gave on Johnson 16 carries week one. All right, I'll take 16 carries. Yes, on didn't have a great game on the ground, 3.1 a carry. But then the next game, you only give him 12 carries. And it's not like it was in a game where they were getting blown out. It was a and close they had to game. The ball. It, it was, was a close game the whole game. game, yeah. They won the game yeah. by three points. <laughs> I mean – how are we not running the ball with carry on a lot more there? Now, I get it. Once again, he wasn't efficient. 12 carries, 41 yards, 3.4 carry. It's not good. But And also the targets aren't, haven't really been there. He's only had two catches in each game. Now, if you look at it, though, you can't just go by one week. So the first week was bad overall. But the second week, he did end up with 17 fantasy points almost in a PPR, right? Yeah. 17 fantasy points. That's a good week for well, an RB2. That's with the and that's touchdown. what you're drafting. What's that? That's with the screen pass for the touchdown. That was like the one play that right. got him most of those points. It, right. And I'm saying you got you still got to count it, though, right? Like no, it's I know. Still, yeah, true. still ended up like that. I know it was a little fluky. But one, then again, you could say week one was kind of a fluke, too. True. Like he just didn't he didn't produce either in the air or on the ground, right? Yeah. So, and if he didn't bobble that catch – even if he just caught it cleanly, he might have broke the tackle and, and, and had a big game anyway. So even though he bobbled it and it kind of made him get the big game, he might have got the big game anyway if he caught it cleanly. So you can't really you know, speculate on that. You know what I'm saying? True. So he still ended up with 88 total yards on the day. And I'm, I'm telling you, the target share is going to go up. The carries are going to go up. Like They want to run the ball. And they should be running the ball a lot more. I don't know why they end up throwing so much. But as the season goes along, I think they'll figure it out that they need to run the ball with this kid carry on. I think he's going to need 15 to 20 carries and probably five targets a game. So we're talking 20 to 25 touches a game for carry on. And then he'll produce at the level you want. And here's the thing. You weren't drafting him as, as an RB1 anyway. You were drafting him really more as an RB2. Then it... Now, I know some, a lot of people went wide receiver, wide receiver in the first two rounds. So if they got carry on in the third round, that might have been their RB1. But he's really an RB2 territory draft pick. Now, yes, I was really high on him. Yes, I think – and I still think he has RB1 upside. But so far, it hasn't panned out like that this year. But he did get 17 points in week two. And that's – you know, that was probably top 15 right there. You know, that was probably one of the uh, the better – you know, the better running backs of, of the week. Uh I got to look at it to see for sure, but I mean, you can't really complain completely about him yet. It's not like he completely dudded it like Devonta Freeman. Yeah. Freeman hasn't cracked 10 points yet in the game. Uh, whereas, you know, carry on yet. Yeah, he was 
RB, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. He was RB 10 last week in PPR. So you can't really complain yet. And I know a lot of people expected a lot of things based off what we said. And I think they you just need to be a little bit more patient. I know it's hard to be patient in fantasy football, but, like, you got to sh- show a little patience. At least, you know, give guys two or three weeks. After the third week, if someone's been bad for three weeks straight, then you got to start thinking about things. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, like, a guy that you highly invested in that you know has talent and that is getting the volume, like, you got to be a, just a little bit more patient. Don't jump off the bandwagon or don't jump on a bandwagon too quick. Like, I feel like everybody spent so much money on Demarcus Robinson this week. I think that's gonna, not going to pay off. They won't. Uh, I, think, I think next week you'll see Patrick Mahomes just go to somebody else a lot more. Patrick you know, Mahomes, he spreads the ball he, around. Yeah, he throws to who's open, and that's, why, that's what works so well. Exactly. Like, Demarcus Robinson made one really nice touchdown grab that wasn't a great throw by Mahomes. He was covered. But it just so happened they weren't covering Robinson as much. Now they might focus on Robinson more. It might be a Watkins week, or it might be a Miko Hardman week. We don't know. It, there's so many weapons there. That like you can't bank on Demarcus Robinson. I don't know why people. So I've seen people spend you know forty percent of their budget on this guy, Which and it's just crazy. like whoa, man. Uh, I feel I tend to feel like a lot of people are just bandwagon jumpers, and they quickly want to jump off or jump on based on what have you done for me lately. And I'm talking about wh- last week. What have you done for me lately? Not even two weeks ago. Last week. So for us to panic about Carry On Johnson this soon, I think it's a little, it's a little, uh, you know over-exaggerated. Like, I, I don't think that we should be panicking this much. I know we were very high on him, but just show some patience. I, I bet you plug him in this week, or if you want to bench him, you could bench him. If you got two better running backs with great matchups, fine, bench him. But don't be surprised if he has, you know, another 15 to 20 point fantasy week, you know? And that's totally fair. And I preach that, you know, the same thing that you're saying about patience. Patience is key. And then the new article that I wrote, because it doesn't make sense to just give up on players you know, week, so week two, week two, yeah. it's literally week two and people are, and if they're 0-2, people are acting like the season's over, which is totally not true. There's so much time to turn it around. And I know yeah. I already talked about him earlier by myself, but just really quickly, I just want to get your take on Joe Mixon. Cause I think he's probably the biggest story of fantasy bust right now with how high he's gone and what little production he's done. I don't think he's cracked six points in either game this, in either game so far this season. So Joe Mixon, what do you got? Wow, Joe Mixon really has – I mean, I don't have Mixon anywhere for, for good reason. But um, I do. I, I didn't expect this. Like, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to say, oh, I knew he was going to bust and tell you that. But I just wasn't – like, Cincinnati, the team worried me. Even though they actually have been able to move the ball. Like, it's I, surprisingly, the Cincinnati offense has been better than we've thought, yet Joe Mixon hasn't been a part of that, which is really, really strange. Uh, I just think – Listen, he, he's dealing with injuries, right? He's a little banged on a, up. On and off, yeah, but he, he practiced in full today, so he should be good to go for Sunday. Right. And let's look at his numbers. So week one against Seattle, six carries, 10 yards. That's pretty bad. Uh, that's real bad. But six carries is like, you know, that's just not a lot of ca- – like, In a some close people, game. They, they, well, he got hurt in this game. He did get taken out. Giovanni Bernard was put into this game. About a, right. a little after halftime, so that's not totally on him for the for the right. lack of carries. But yeah, six for ten is not not ideal. That's brutal. Yeah, that's brutally bad. And only two catches for seven yards, also brutally bad. Uh, then you see in week two where he, I'm pretty sure he played the full game in week two. No, or was he hurt in that game too? No, he played the full game. 
He played the full game. Only 11 carries in that one because he was ineffective again against San Francisco. Now, here's the thing. Seattle and San Francisco, I think their defense is a pretty above average. They're, both of them are above average defense. Their defensive they line have, certainly are. Yeah, those defenses are, are, are you know, I'm not going to say they're, they're, they're great defenses, but they're above average. They could stop the run. You know, they're tough. Uh, so and they got talented players on that on those defenses. So I understand, but to do that bad is kind of scary. That's why I'm thinking the injury is a little more serious than we think. Uh, for him to do to have to average 1.5 yards a carry in these games is is beyond you know comprehension because this kid's talented, and when he's healthy, he can make big plays. But right now, it doesn't look good. I would say I'm not buying him right now. I'm often uh, I'm. I'm just as concerned as everyone else. I would. And the thing is, you can't sell. I know. Because what, what are you, you selling? Get, yeah, exactly. What are you going to get for him right now? You're not going to get anything, I don't think, for him. And his week uh, three matchup is terrifying. He's playing the Bills. Yeah, this is a guaranteed sit him right here this week. I think all you can do if you're a Joe Mixon owner, okay, because if you sell him, you're not going to get a good return on it. And if you're someone, I don't know why you would be looking to buy Mixon. I know it's a real buy low right here, so there is potential there. But I, I, I'm not a full believer in Joe Mixon. This is why I don't have him anywhere. Um, so I don't think I'd be buying low either. If I'm a Mixon owner, I guess I'm holding and I'm benching until he comes back around or until he's fully healthy and you know he could get back to his former self. Because right now, you know, it's looking like this is a bust. And I'm I'm kind of buying into it. Well, and thankfully, in case this is an injury scare and there is something wrong and we find out after this Bills game that he has to have some type of surgery or something's wrong, I grab Giovanni Bernard and I suggest that people do that and stash him if you have a spot. Good point. Because, you know, Bernard is has been acclimated with this offense for years. And if you were to take over full duty, I still think he could be a, a, a RB3 that could be a plug-in for a flex if need be. Um, but, yeah, Joe Mixon right now, not someone I'm very happy about owning. Thankfully, I only have him in one spot, but mm-hmm. I, I, I am worried. I don't I don't like what I see coming up, and I don't like what I've seen so far. But we've I talked about him a lot earlier, so I'll get past that. And other mm-hmm. injury concerns that have hindered the NFL are all quarterbacks, and two big quarterbacks went down. Uh, this past weekend, and those two quarterbacks are Drew Brees and Ben Roethlisberger, both of whom have wide receivers that were taken inside either the top five or top six in drafts this year with Michael Thomas and Juju Smith-Schuster. And mm-hmm. Venture, I just want to get your thoughts on how you think both these quarterbacks, very similar in play, pocket passers, throw it deep. How does this affect these two top wide receiver values? Yeah, it's a great question. And you know what? We actually talked about that today on the Fantasy Football Frenzy, which is where you could catch me. I host it every day at 1 o'clock to 2 o'clock p.m. Eastern time on YouTube and Zumo TV at the Sports Grid Network, um, channel 719. Sorry for that plug, but I had to do that. <laughs> um, so it is concerning. But here, when we talked about it today, I was talking with Jim Day, too, who's also on the program, and George Kurtz. Um, it's like you can't – so obviously Michael Thomas and Juju Smith-Schuster's value take a little bit of a hit here, right? That's obvious. Um, the question is how big of a hit, right? And I think with, with both these guys, I don't think the hit is too, too big because 
these guys are both extremely talented. They're both the, still the number one wide receivers on their team. They're both still going to get a ton of volume. And if you think about it, right, mm-hmm. if, if these teams go in to games now with these backup quarterbacks, which Saints worry me a little more because there's talk of Teddy Bridgewater not even being the starter, maybe Taysom Hill. Yeah, start. that's, that's Ta- a little concerning. That's really con- – if Taysom Hill is the starting quarterback and he quarterbacks the whole game, which I highly doubt, uh, that's really bad for all the wide receivers and the tight end, Jared Cook. Like, it's just bad all around. Uh, even that's Kamara, bad. like, yeah, I, that's bad I don't for know. Kamara. Kamara, like, so, so Kamara, I think Kamara's going to be fine. I don't think he's going to be that top three running back that he always is. He obviously takes a hit too, but I still think he'll be an RB1 the rest of the way. Like, he's just that talented. And having a quarterback that isn't as good at having your backup quarterback in just means more volume for the running backs, right? True. So, Kamara, Connor, Jalen Samuels, all these guys are going to have more volume, but the efficiency will go down. So that's why they'll take the hit is based on efficiency, but they still get a boost in volume, which kind of evens things out a little bit. And Kamara is so talented that, you know, he could get it through the air. He could, he'll get a lot of screen passes. He'll get, you know, just a ton of touches on the ground. So with that being said, he's still going to be RB1 territory, um, maybe a low-end RB1, which, listen, you're fine with. Okay, considering the situation, I think you're fine if Kamara is a low NRB one the rest of the way, right? Yeah. So I'm not as concerned about Kamara. I'm a little more concerned about Connor because Connor isn't as trustworthy. He's also dealing with an injury, even though I know he's probably going to play. And I called I'm that. I called Samuels this right now. I called this earlier this year. I said one running back that I'm worried about a lot this year because of past injuries is James Connor and the all-in kid Jake Seeley got into a little argument with me saying that no he's (laughs) fine and he's going to get all the touches and here comes Jalen Samuels to save the day not hurt at all with Ben Roethlisberger out so I just want to put that out there that I did say to stay away from James Connor there you go (laughs) right there he said stay away from James Connor I mean I I wouldn't have said this like completely stay away from James Connor I don't fault anybody for drafting him because listen he was a high high draft pick I mean you know a lot of people would would draft James Conner in the end of the first, early second round this year. And, you know, I really can't fault people for doing that because he did have an unbelievable season last year through the air and on the ground. Uh, he's part of a great system in Pittsburgh uh, that always produces great running backs. But here's the thing. It's dangerous to invest in a running back that only did it one time. He did it once only. He's not really a highly touted running back. Okay, and he, you know, you're you're basing it on a system where a lot of running backs could do well. Once I heard the the rumblings before the season that this might be a committee backfield, I was off Connor because I was like, listen, if he's not going to get all the carries, he's not worth this system. He's not worth it. He's not worth that high price tag because anyone can produce in Pittsburgh. Now, and here's the other thing. I never bought Ben Roethlisberger. I was not a Ben Roethlisberger guy. I never was. I never will be. Uh, I just think he's just very, very – he's one of the most inconsistent quarterbacks oh, absolutely. Uh, out there. Uh, and he had the best year of his career by far last year. We talked about this before. The volume was absolutely the highest it's ever been last yeah. year, his, his attempts. And I, I said, why are people paying for this? I don't get it. And now they're – now they're they're hurting because of it. Now I didn't expect him to get injured, but he did look horrible week one, and he was already starting to look horrible week two before he got hurt. And his injury didn't even come from getting hit or anything. He just, he just threw, threw it. it in his arm. Pop. Yeah, 
So, so it's like you can't trust the guy, Ben. Like he's not a pro, prolific fantasy quarterback. He's really never been. He's like a filling guy when he's playing a, a cupcake matchup at home. At that's home, what yeah. he always was, and that's what that's what he always pretty much will be. Last year was an anomaly. If you look at his career, and that's the problem, people don't dig deep enough. They look at last year. Oh, Ben Roethlisberger was amazing last year, but that doesn't mean everything. This guy has a whole career worth of material to look at. Mm-hmm. He's the easiest, one of the easiest. Anybody that's been around for a long time are the easiest to read because they have a whole career of material to look at. And if you look at his material, it suggests that he was due for obviously a big regression based on his career stats, his averages. So the law of averages said that. Now he's out completely. So now whoever it took Ben has to scramble for a quarterback. Uh, Luckily, there's a lot of quarterbacks to be had. But that's starting to dwindle down a little bit with all these quarterbacks getting injured. So, Which is why here I want to bring up this point. I want to bring up this point that I said in my – in the article that I wrote, and this is like huge right now, that what I've been thinking of, if you're going to trade with people, let's say, you know, someone has Ben Roethlisberger and you have like a Kyler Murray or you have Dak Prescott that you took as your second quarterback on your bench, I would not trade them to that Big Ben owner if they didn't have like a backup quarterback or anything because you're honestly helping them get back to full strength without, without even having to worry about it. Like, they'll give you a wide receiver three or four that you can put on your bench, and maybe you'll plug them in once or twice throughout the year. But you giving them a quarterback, like Dak Prescott, who's ranked third right now in Yahoo, it's just Mm -hmm. like making things so easy for them, and you're basically handing them wins that they wouldn't have if they had to start Derek Carr for a week or two. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I agree with you there in a sense, but at the same time, it depends on what you're trading for, right? So, like... If you're a team that has Dak Prescott as a backup, you know, and on ESPN right now, I'm in a six point passing touchdown league and I'm just I just so happen to be looking at all the all those fantasy values. Mm-hmm. It's a six point passing touchdown league and Dak Prescott is QB two behind Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Who me and you nailed. Yeah, uh, you are on Lamar Jackson, right? <laughs> Yeah, I have I mean, him in like ridiculous. I have him in two out of two out of the four leagues that I'm in. So I was I was ready on Lamar Jackson. There you go, baby. I haven't been like three out of seven, I think. <laughs> so I'm really heavily invested. Um, but yeah, so I just think that like if you desperately need a running back or you know a wide receiver, and it's a perfect fit for a guy who had Banner or, or Breeze or something, and they're desperate for a quarterback, and they'll give you a very good running back that could boost your team up that significantly. Like it's hard not to do that trade, right? Because mm-hmm. Dak's your backup. So your your starting team just gets so much better because now you just got like an RB two or three. Well, yeah, if you got an RB two for Dak, I'd say definitely do it. But I wouldn't. I think uh, you could get that. Yeah, no, I definitely think so too, especially right now. If if you, I mean, even if you wait one week for him to go off against the Dolphins, you, you're looking at like he could be ranked as the number one overall quarterback by next week. Yeah. And that's the time to sell, I think. Absolutely. This uh, is the sell high time. Because I don't think he's sustaining this the whole season. Well, he also I know plays the, the Jets, too. He great. plays the Jets in, in a few weeks, too. Like, I, I, I do believe in this offense. I know they just lost Michael Gallup, but I think this offense has potential. It does. It's, I think Dallas is the best team in the division, uh, one of the best teams in the NFC right now, the way things are falling apart <laughs> for a lot of teams. Um, but I still don't think he's going to be – a top five QB when it's all said and done. I think he's going to end up maybe top 10, He'll be top which 10. is good, which is great. Uh, but I just don't like, I think he's getting a great, great start to the season. He's starting hot, but I think uh, we'll see a regression 
at some point throughout the season. Now, that being said, I honestly think he's not even that. I, I know it's crazy to say, but I don't think he's that great of a play this week. I think Miami's so bad that they could just run the ball with Zeke and Dak won't have to do much. I don't think Dak has to. He might be super efficient and he yeah. might light it up in terms of his completion percentage and he might have a couple of touchdowns and no picks or whatever, but I don't think he's going to throw for a ton of yards. It ain't that type of game. The game script doesn't suggest that. I think it's more of a Zeke game. This is a game where Zeke's going to eat so much. I mean, he'll end up being RB1 this week. I, I don't see it any other way right Even now. Even in like DraftKings or FanDuel, I think Tony Pollard could be a good play in case they take Zeke out if they're oh, up yeah. high enough and he can get like two touchdowns on the ground. Great point. Great point. I don't know who owns Tony Pollard at this point, but, um, you know, in DFS, that's not a bad bad idea either. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that that's my feelings on Dak. I think uh, I think you can trade him. If you want to corner the market and you don't need anything and you're dominating right now, sure. Uh, you know, don't give anybody any more help. But um, for the most part, I think that, uh, you know, if you got to trade Dak, I think it's a good sell high point. But let's get back to Connor and um, – and yeah. Alvin Kamara. So, like I said, Kamara I'm not worried about. Connor, um, you know, like I said, I'm worried about him. Uh, I think Jalen Samuels is a great guy to have right now. If you can grab him off waivers, grab him off waivers because he's also a great pass catcher. And in a PPR league, that's completely invaluable. Like, that's just – you want that, especially in the Steelers offense. And I think Mason Rudolph isn't that bad. I think Mason Rudolph could actually – Feeling pretty abrupt. He'll be serviceable for, uh, enough. He'll be serviceable, right? And I think Juju will be fine. So I think Juju, yeah, he takes a hit. He might not be a top five wide receiver one. His hit might go down to, like I said, low end wide receiver one, high end wide receiver two territory. But you're not going to complain about that. And that's the thing. You're going to plug him in every week. I wouldn't sell him because you're selling him at kind of a low because he hasn't even had a great start to the season. Uh, so you're kind of selling him at a low, so don't sell him, okay? And don't uh, – I mean, if you want to buy him – I was going to say, who would – I think it's a you, good spot to buy him, yeah. Who would you trade to get a Juju right now if you could? Who would I trade to get a Juju right now? Like what would you package – is there a player in mind that you'd do straight up? Is there a running back wide receiver combo that you would try to give? Or would you just like look at the person's team – and if they had Big Ben with Juju for some reason, or they had a Drew Brees, try to give like Dak Prescott and another wide receiver two, maybe. Right, right, right. Uh, I think you can package like, like guys I'm selling right now. So like, I think you could package like a Derrick Henry and, you know, a low end wide receiver three and get Juju. So, like, Derrick Henry's RB4 right now. Yeah, I saw that. That's crazy. It's funny because I swear swear on this, when we were going to do the podcast a few weeks ago on our predictions for the season, I predicted that Derrick Henry was going to be valued extremely, like, way higher above where he was being drafted. I didn't think he was going to be top five, but I said that he was being – Underdrafted based on how he finished last season, I do think it was sustainable based on how the Titans' offense is run. Which I just think that was funny. Like I can't obviously prove it unless I showed someone the notes that I didn't edit. But for the listeners out there, I did think that Derrick Henry was going to be better than his draft position. Oh, okay. So you so you like Derrick Henry? Like I did. To me, yeah. I, I think he's a good sell candidate. Like I don't believe. So my thing is that okay, week one, 
he's been running the ball great. He's been getting the touches, but he's not a pass catcher, right? He caught that one pass for 75 yards in touchdown. That's the only reason why he's in the top five. Okay, right but, well. Based well, on that one catch, I right? know, and didn't we say Carrion Johnson was a top 10 running back last week because of that one catch that he had for a touchdown? Well, yeah, he cracked the top 10 because of that one catch, correct. But yeah. we're looking at Carrion Johnson as, as a negative right now. Uh, we're looking at Henry right here because of that as a positive. And I, I just think you take that away, he's still probably in the top 10 right now. But, like, I, I just don't see this lasting. Like, he played Cleveland and Indianapolis in games where the games are close the whole way. If he plays in a game, like, next week he's got Jacksonville. Well, he's got Jacksonville I tomorrow. Don't th- I don't think he what, – what's that? They play tomorrow. So we'll know pretty quickly what's going yeah, on he's with got Jack, Henry. Right. He, tomorrow night. Tomorrow night he's at Jacksonville. Like, I don't think he cra- – he might – barely cracked 10 fantasy points. The problem with with Henry for me is that I don't see him sustaining this high of production, and I could be wrong. I think he's a, a beast of a running back, but when you don't catch passes, a lot of times you just rely on touchdowns in these PPR formats. So anybody that doesn't isn't a prolific pass catcher at running back worries me because it's just like they ha- the game script has to go your way and everything has to go your way. You have to get that touchdown. Your offense has to be a smooth machine. And these first two matchups, luckily they were in close matchups in both of them. They ended up blowing out Cleveland, which was surprising. Uh, and, you know, he got those touches. Yeah. But that's not going to happen every week. I think you're going to get a lot of inconsistency out of Derrick Henry. So I think that's a great sell high right now because I don't think his value is getting any higher than it is right now. He's in the top five running backs right now. And that's not going to last. In my opinion, that's not going to last. He might end up as a top 15 running back at the, when the season's over. So, you know, it's okay to buy him if you're you're in need of a running back and stuff like that. I understand that. But I'd be selling Henry right now with a package to get a Juju or something like that. I think Juju stars value. I think Michael Thomas stars value. I think Juju is going to be actually steadier than Michael Thomas. I'm a little bit more worried about Michael Thomas. And I actually don't have Juju anywhere. But I do have Michael Thomas in my in the GST league, of course, too. So, once again, my most important league, I got Michael Thomas. You can't really do anything with these guys, would Michael you, Thomas and Juju. Would you trade you Michael Thomas for Juju straight up? Thomas for Juju straight up? Mm-hmm. I just don't see why someone would do that. Well, you um, someone might see that Michael Thomas could still finish as a top three wide receiver when Drew Brees gets back and has the potential to do good later on in the season. And someone else might think that Juju is, you know, not playing too well right now, and he just lost his quarterback, so it would be an even swap. But since you like Juju more, like you just said, it would make sense for you as a Michael Thomas owner to try to do it. Yeah, I just think that, first of all, Michael Thomas, for the most part, they're getting drifted. they were getting drifted in the same spot. Right? Yeah, they were right around each other. Pretty much, yeah. So the thing is, I think Thomas might take a bigger hit, especially if Taysom Hill ends up being the quarterback. But, like you said, Breeze will be back. Ben won't. So Michael Thomas' value is going to skyrocket again. You have to think about the future. When Breeze comes back, Michael Thomas' value comes right back, and he jumps way ahead of Juju again, unless Juju starts going off with Mason Rudolph. Now, here's the thing. I think both their values stay relatively the same. Yes, like I said, they're both not going to be top five wide receivers with their quarterbacks out right now, but I still think they'll be low-end wide receiver ones, high-end wide receiver twos, both of them. Uh, especially if Teddy Bridgewater quarterbacks for the most part for New Orleans. Because you got to think, like I said, a lot, these teams might get down early in games. Uh, they might, you know, try to establish the run because they got younger, inexperienced quarterbacks in 
quarterbacks they don't trust as much, so they're going to try to establish the run more. And that's my volume argument for Kamara and Connor and Samuels. But if that doesn't work out and they end up trailing by a lot, what are they going to have to do? Throw the ball. Who are they going to throw the ball to? Their number one wide receivers. So the volume is going to be there. The efficiency just goes down for everybody. That's yeah. the thing. Efficiency goes down for everybody. Volume goes up. The guys you don't want are the other guys. So like Jared Cook. Sell, 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 drop even. I wouldn't drop him yet because I want to see just what happens with Jared Cook. And Jim Day brought that up today on Fantasy Football Frenzy. Like, just give it a week or two, see what happens, because maybe Teddy Bridgewater uses Cook as a, as a safety valve and he gets a lot of targets. That is true. He brings up a good case there. But if we see that, you know, he's still not doing anything, Cook, who already hasn't really been producing, like, I'm off Jared Cook then completely because it's those other guys you know, it's the non-stars that are going to take the biggest hit. Yeah, and you, I mean, uh, Tra- no one was really, Traquan Smith. I was going to say, no one was really starting Traquan Smith or Ted Ginn Jr. with the expectations that they would have monster weeks every week anyway. They were just right. there. A to- lot of people did pick up Ted Ginn. I wasn't on that bandwagon, obviously. No. I don't like boomer bust wide receivers like that, uh, especially like Ted Ginn, where you're a complete boomer bust. Like, you'll, he'll, he could give you a zero or he could give you, you know, 20 points, but it's just so hit or miss. Um, and especially now, yeah, he's completely unownable. Um, and you know, James Washington, Dante Moncrief, these guys, man, I, I, I would just say sell, man. I would just say sell. I know that there's the, the opportunity could be there for these guys with having to throw the ball a lot later, but I think that's only going to be c- consistent for only the wide receiver ones, the true standout stars on these teams. What about Vance McDonald? The secondary guys, I don't think as much. What's that? What about Vance McDonald? What's what's his take now? Well, we saw Mason Rudolph go to Vance McDonald twice yeah. in the end zone. So I think Vance McDonald actually has uh, pretty much the same value. Uh, I don't think it moves. I think it doesn't go up necessarily, but it doesn't go down because so you'd still hold that's what him. happens with what? You'd still hold him, though. You wouldn't. I know he's a secondary guy, but he's one guy probably that you would still do a wait and That's see approach. That's one secondary guy I'd probably hold. Yeah. yeah. Like Jared Cook, I'm a little bit more sketched out about. Like I'm more leery about him. Like I wouldn't want Jared Cook, but I don't have Jared Cook anywhere to begin with. I wasn't a Jared Cook believer. So maybe that's just me having this negative you know, connotation with him. But like with Vance McDonald, you know, I, I have him in a lot of places and I was highly invested. I really thought he was going to have a great year. And you know what? Week two is fantastic. He, he's already, you know, he's cracked the top five tight ends, I think, because of his week two uh, for the season. Yeah, he's tight end five on the year in PPR. So, and I think with young with these quarterbacks that are, you know, less experienced, tight ends usually get a boost because they use them as safety valves. And that's what I said with Jared Cook, too. Uh, and, you know, that's a good point. I just think that with Vance... It might be even more because I think Vance is just a more talented tight end in general than Jared Cook. I think he's just uh, a better tight end than Jared Cook. So I'd rather have Vance McDonald than Jared Cook. I think Jared Cook is going to be a lot more inconsistent. Whereas McDonald, I think he'll give you a lot of touchdowns this year, surprisingly, even though that's hard to predict. And I think he'll get some volume, too. As we saw in week two here uh, with Ben out, you know, he had what? How many targets here? He had seven targets and seven catches. With the two touchdowns. uh, 38 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, the yardage might not be there, but hey, it'll be tight like end, quick. if you could get six targets and six catches in a touchdown, you're golden. Yeah, you know, you're, you're golden. top 10 definitely with that. 
And, you know, quickly moving on here, just before we wrap things up, you mentioned unexpected uh, top running backs, top five running backs with Derrick Henry. And there's one other guy that I wanted to mention who either could Mm -hmm. be a guy that's legit or he's a sell immediately. And that's Austin Eckler. I know who you're talking about. Yep. He's number one right now. Yeah. (laughs) What's what's the deal with Austin Eckler? So – I have Eckler, I invested in Eckler. I have Eckler in, I believe, one league out of the seven that I'm in. So uh, I wanted him in more places, but I just never got the opportunity to get him. Um, but yeah, I think this is a guy that you got to hold for now. It's hard, too, because he's at his peak. He's not going to do much better than this, right? Probably this not. This is his peak. I mean, he's RB1. You really can't, you really can't <laughs> do much better than that. So, yeah. Uh, like so like he's a sell uh he just a sell for me because well you don't think he can eventually melvin gordon's coming back you think by that point though they would only use him like he could come back and still not play they could just have him active and not play him because they already know what they have with austin eckler and they're not going to pay melvin gordon so then just use austin eckler it's true it's a good point um i think he's talented enough to keep this up for the rest of the year in this offense I think he could finish as a top five running back if he plays the way he is right now. I don't think he'll keep up the same point values. I know he had like in PPR almost 40 points week one, but I definitely think there is definitely enough there with Eckler where I wouldn't necessarily, you know, try to sell as fast as I could right now. Right, right. That's why I said like it's a tough situation because you want to sell based on how high this value is right now, right? So you could get a lot, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're still going to get a lot of good production out of Eckler for the upcoming weeks. Gordon doesn't come back for a while. If he even does come back, or like you said, if he comes back and doesn't play, even if he comes back and plays, dude, Eckler gets usage. Yeah, Eckler got usage was, last year. Yeah, that's why I liked Eckler so much coming to the year because even with Melvin Gordon there, he was still a fantastic running back for PPR. He was like, you know, he had the amount of touches and, and receptions that he got, he was fantastic. Exactly. Based on his pass catching ability, his targets and all that, he's a great PPR back. So if you, in your head, if you're an Austin Eckler owner, guys, what I would say is this. You like him. You want to hold him. You don't want to sell him. Fine. Okay. If you really believe that Melvin Gordon's going to come back and really hurt his value, you want to sell him. Sure. Sell him. But make sure you get a really good package out of it. Right now, at the same time, because you could get really a really good running back. For Austin Eckler right now, you could get a running back that end, might end up in a better spot at the end of the season than Austin Eckler is. Now, at the same time, if you believe in Eckler, which I believe in Eckler, I'm with you. Uh, I think Eckler, even when Melvin Gordon comes back and even if he does play, I think he'll still be an RB2 slash high end RB3 because he's going to get that pass catching work. And in a PPR league, he gives you a high floor. Now, he's not going to be the guy that's going to get you 30 fantasy points like he like he has been, you know, week one, he had 39.4 fantasy points in the PPR. Week two, he had 23.3. He's not going to do that if Melvin Gordon is playing, but he will still give you 10 to 15 fantasy points. Some weeks, maybe more. So it's really not that big of a hit when he, when Melvin Gordon comes back. So you just got to anticipate the fact that at the end of the season, he's not your RB one. That's all. Just don't expect this guy. Don't bank on this guy being your RB1. So I'm saying don't trade your RB3 away because you're like, oh, I got Eckler. I'm good. You know what I mean? Um, don't yeah. think like that. Think like, okay, 
I need to make sure I have a good third and fourth running back because I, I want to see how much of a hit Eckler takes when Melvin Gordon comes back. And if he doesn't take a big hit, beautiful. You're set up nicely. He could be your RB2 or RB3. If if he does take a big hit, it's okay because you held the running backs that you have on your team and maybe someone else later in the year steps up for you and becomes your RB2 or RB3. Um, so that's what I that's how I see. It. I think it's a great position to be in if you're Austin Eckler owner. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like you could do a lot. You could go a lot of different ways here. And I think that's a great way and a great message to end today's show. Austin Eckler, if you have him and you like him, keep him. And if you don't like him, I don't know why you wouldn't like him. He probably won your first two weeks. But Ventra, thank you for coming on today for the portion that you did. I really appreciate it. Always great to have you yep. on. Uh, would love yeah, to have you, you on, obviously, again. You're basically my co-host now. I, I don't even see you as a guest. You're the, you're the co-host of the Sony Plus podcast. I'd gladly be the co-host of Sony Pod, Sony Plus podcast. Um, I don't know. How how often have you been doing podcasts um, per week? So what I've tried to do here uh, is put out one per week. And as I said to start the show when you weren't here, um, it's become a lot fa- uh, of fancy football and fancy sports oriented. So, you know, I, I try my best to include everything, but it's, it's looked right now like one, one per week is, is the goal. Sounds good. So yeah, I, I'm down to be on every week for you, uh, you know, and do the damn thing. I, I enjoy it. I love it. Uh, this is my job. So, you know, I'm fully invested and, uh, listen, yeah, post up, this this podcast and i'll be sure to share sony plus across all platforms twitter uh you know let's get connected on social media so that you know i can help you out you can help me out you know we could both maybe have something big in the future definitely and all the sony plus listeners out there please be sure to share our podcast it would really mean a lot really trying to grow the brand and i think we have a lot of exciting stuff coming out here and if you haven't already be sure to check out sonyplus.com for even more great content